0: No, uh, just uh, I asked Marley and if uh, she and the band would sing that song this morning as the last song. I was working on this message this week, and I had that the radio on, and that song came on. And the truth is, the very verse in there that uh, they were singing about is where we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 today. And uh, we're going to look at what, it, what makes this such a profound truth, that there is no one like our God. A reminder for you, you've obviously heard, um, well, didn't hear, I guess, through the video, Um, about Frank Turk is going to be here. He's one of the renowned apologists, not only of our country, but he also travels around the world and speaks and gives a defense for the gospel, uh, the word of God, uh, the resurrection, all of those things. There's about 20 to 25 questions that um, oftentimes are asked um, concerning Christianity that those who are atheistic or do not believe in Christianity bring up. Um, One of those could be the resurrection. Was it Valid. Was it true? The authenticity of Scripture. You know, why do we consider this to be truth, for example? Because it predicts the future. That's a, one, one reason. Archaeologists use it. There's a whole lot of reasons. Um, the existence of God, for example. All of these questions that are usually debated and some you encounter in the workplace are going to be answered when you come this Saturday. Um, you're going to see how you defend rightfully using all types of different things, this Christian faith that we know to be true. And it will make you better at sharing the gospel when someone comes up to you and asks a question about your faith. It's going to help you greatly. So please come be a part of that and join us here this Saturday, and also he'll be here Sunday morning. Um, So if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn with me in in, uh, uh, Romans chapter 8. We are going to be in the... The 8th chapter for the final message of, the, of Romans 8. So please make your way there this morning. Um, if you're a guest here today, we want to welcome you. We're so glad that you are here. And uh, hope that you um, find that we're just good people uh, that serve an amazing God. And uh, we want you to encounter Christ, no doubt. So we want to open up in prayer today. If you would, would you just go to the Lord in prayer with me? Father, we want to thank you once again for your amazing love. I thank you, God. Uh, for this truth, God, in your gospel today. And, and it is so true that there is no one like our God. You are the only one true God. And Father, I want to thank you for these truths that we are going to learn today from your word. What an incredible gospel, Lord, we have. What an incredible truth we have. What security we have in Christ. And Lord, we are grateful for that today. We thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here in this local church body and around the world. And, Father, we know that you are continuing to build the kingdom. And, Father, we are grateful to be in it and part of it and serving the king of the kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, the title of our message this morning is Separation Anxiety. Um, If you uh, have ever had horses then you know what I'm talking about. For example, if your horses have been buddied up or they've been living together for a period of time and, and uh, maybe you've got them pinned together, stalled together, running in the pasture together, doesn't matter, um, they buddy up to one another. And if you've ever had to take those two horses out and ride or maybe leave one and ride away from it, and you know how frustrating it can be when the horses nicker and, and uh, prance around and act like total idiots. Um, And, of course, there's corrections for that, which we're not going to discuss here today. Um, But nonetheless, it's very frustrating, and you understand why they're doing that. It's a separation anxiety. They don't want to be with their buddy. That's what they want to be with. And so there's a lot of Christians that I know experience what we call separation anxiety when it comes to the security they have in their salvation. And you may be here this morning and be that very person that you struggle with understanding how secure you truly are in Christ, that maybe you believe today that if you were to die um, in, in a situation where you may have sinned uh, or have forgotten to repent or whatever it might be, that you could be basically separated from God and spend an eternity in hell if you didn't exactly do everything just right. If that's your case, then you probably definitely have separation anxiety. You have that as Christians. I had that in my life for many years, not truly understanding Romans chapter 8. Um, and many other places in Scripture about how secure you are in Christ, if you are a follower and a believer and a a uh, a new regenerated person in Christ. If that is who you are this morning, you have no reason to have separation anxiety. But you ought to have so much security it ought to bring absolute complete joy to your heart. This is a very encouraging message for each and every one of us today, and I hope that you leave here greatly encouraged. And um, I pray that it'll, it'll provide that for you today. I know it does to me. Let's begin in Romans uh, 28, eight, excuse me, Romans chapter eight, verses 28 through 39. Follow along with me, and we'll listen to the word together. Paul continues on here, and he says, "And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, for those God foreknew." He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those, he, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to all of this? If God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. For Christ Jesus, who died, more than that was raised To life, and is now at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, For your sake we face death all day long, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If God is for us, who can be against us? That is a great question to ponder this morning as we come to this passage of Scripture. Last week we learned... That as Paul began to give this promise here from Romans chapter 8, we learned that we know in all things, and we could have spent some time there, all things literally means all things, good, bad, indifferent. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those. He gave two things. For those who love God, number one, and those who are called according to his purposes, So Paul gives us a parameter for who those are, speaking to those in Rome, talking to us today now in all these years later. He's speaking now of of those who are in Christ is what he's talking about. And he gives us two defining elements that describe people who are in Christ. Number one, they love God. That's one thing that happens. You were an enemy of God, now all of a sudden you love God, you love Christ, you love his word. I mean, it's just something that happens in a regeneration process as you come to faith in Christ because of what Christ has done in you through the Holy Spirit, you now are a new creation in Christ Jesus and you love God, you love God. Not that you just simply believe God, there's lots who believe in God. But it doesn't mean they love God, nor do they know God. But you as a Christian today who are in Christ Jesus, you love God. And then Paul moves on and says, and those who are called according to his purpose. So the second thing is is those that are called, okay? And what we know is there's a general call. For example, I could invite every one of you to come with me next Tuesday, meet me at my place, and I want you to all come help me work cattle next Tuesday, how many of you are going to show up? I've got one hand. I'm looking for another. Yeah, I've got two. All right. Okay. So I gave a general call, but what you find is that not the masses are going to show up, right? But if I show up, if if I actually come to you and I say, for example, hey, Bob, I'm going to pick you up Tuesday morning, six o'clock, your house. You're coming with me. We're going to work cattle. There you go. Thumbs up, right? I gave him a different type. That's an effectual call that God gives. There's a general call where the gospel goes out, but then there's the effectual call where God literally comes, and he comes right to you, and he draws you by name, and all of a sudden, something's changing in your life. You went from not even believing any of this stuff to be true or knowing it to be true to all of a sudden, you knew that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. You believed it. That the Bible is the word of God, that you are a sinner in desperate need of a Savior and without Christ and his work on the cross, you have no hope outside of Jesus. And all of a sudden, you just knew and you heard the call of God and you ran to Christ, so to speak, by the power of the Holy Spirit, drawing you to him. That's the effectual call of God. Not something I did, not something you did, something God did something God did. Well, some people might say, well, John, what about free will? Do we have free will? We do have free will. I have free will, but when the effectual call of God came upon my life, my free will was to choose him. Why? Because I wanted him. (laughs) Do you see how that works? I naturally wanted him. I was drawn to him. I wasn't going to tell him no. You may struggle with it for a while. You may run for a while, but you won't do it long because the presence of God and the drawing of God by his spirit, you will come to him because of you're just drawn to Christ. That's what you're drawn to. It's the effectual call of God. So this morning now, as we move from that, talking about those, this is an incredible section of scripture. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to even be able to speak about this today to all of you. You are going to be greatly encouraged. But I do want to start out by saying this. As we approach Romans chapter 8, especially in this section, we must empty ourselves of pride and arrogance in regards to our biblical knowledge. Um, there's a lot of people who, who come to the Word of God and they're, they're pumped up about their knowledge they, they think they know so much about the Word of God, but what you find out is, as we come to this section, we're going to be approaching now something in Scripture where God is literally, if you will, sharing with us His mind, a, a, a tidbit of His mind. Not only that, He's going to bring us in now and to share with us about His purposes, God's purposes. And I'm telling you that I don't understand all of what this means because it is far too incredible for you and I to truly grasp the magnitude of this gospel. But I will say this, there are things in this where people buck the bridle off. (laughs) They do. There's Christians who are going to buck the bridle off when they read what God has provided for us in the security of our salvation. There's people who buck the bridle off because they still think it's still about them, and it's not. It's all about God. It's about those who've been called according to His Purposes. And we don't understand all of this. It's way too much for us to understand. So I I approach this in a way that is like, you know, I'm on thin ice. Uh, I don't understand all this. And I don't claim that I do, but I'm just going to tell you the Word of God and share it as it is written in Scripture. That's all we can do, okay? So we're going to do that this morning. You think about Moses in the Old Testament as he saw the burning bush and God was drawing him. And God was going to share with Moses now. Just Moses, some of the purposes of God, he was going to share with Moses. And as Moses makes his way drawn to this burning bush, he gets near and he hears a voice that says, Moses, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. For I'm about to share with you some of the purposes of God. You're on holy ground, and I'm telling you this morning, as we come here at this point, we are absolutely on holy, hallowed ground when we come to this section of Scripture. And so I come to it that way, and we're only getting a glimmer into the purposes of God. That's what we're getting, and it is holy ground, no doubt. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this. God speaking to Isaiah says, "'For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways,' declares the Lord." For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's the absolute truth. Man thinks that they can truly know the mind of God. That is complete arrogance and ignorance. So those God, now here we go. We're going to start with the first word. Are you ready? Here we go. He says, those God foreknew. Write that word down, foreknew. And Paul chooses five words here and selectively uses them by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There's five words he uses, and they're very important words that he chose to use. Do I understand all of it? No, I don't. But I accept it, I thank God for it, and I am full of joy because of it. Listen to what he says. The word foreknew literally means to foreknow. That's what it means to know ahead of time, to to foreknow. In other words, um, if you had the ability like God can, he can look down through the quarters of eternity and he can foreknow the beginning from the end. He can know, he can foreknow this. And God has the ability of foreknowledge. That's because he's sovereign. If he didn't have foreknowledge, he wouldn't be God. (laughs) He has foreknowledge, he's sovereign. So God has foreknowledge and that's something that is very, very important that we understand that he does have foreknowledge. And why that's so critical and why that's so important. Because he is God and he is sovereign and it's very important we understand that this morning. He moves on from there and says, for those, speaking of those we talked about, God foreknew he is God also did something else. Hold on to your bridle. Here you go. God predestined. Predestined. For those God foreknew, he predestined. Well, the word predestined means this, to predetermine beforehand. Now, foreknowledge and predestination or predestination are not the same things. Foreknowledge means that I could know something ahead of time. Predestination is this, to predetermine something before it ever happens. Predetermine it. And that's an entirely different thing that it happens ahead. It's it's to foreordain or predetermine, to mark out beforehand is what the word predestination means. And Ephesians 1, 3 through 5, Paul writes this to the church of Ephesus. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. For he, God, chose us in Christ, when? Before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his presence in love he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to his good pleasure and will I'm telling you something that will make you buck your bridle off right there and if you haven't wrestled with this area in Scripture that is so, 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 so evident in the Old Testament and New Testament, you, have, you need to wrestle with this. This is not something we just cavalierly say, well, okay, I get it, I get it. No, I don't get it. It's hard for me to grasp the fact that God, although he has foreknowledge, he did something entirely that is so magnificent and so unbelievable that is above my ability to understand, his ways are higher than my ways, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, that God did something before the foundation of the world, that he did something. He chose us in Christ. Wow. That's incredible. Revelation chapter 13, 7 through 8, we read this. Speaking about the last days here, the beast, and so on and so forth. Speaking of the beast, it says, Also, the beast, it, will, was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. All authority was given it over every tribe, every people, and every language, and every nation. Now listen. And all who dwell upon the earth will worship it, the beast. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Now, I didn't say that. The Bible says that. And the problem is, is what we do is, is we say, well, whoa, 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 hold on. What about my free will? I want my free will. That's what people do. By golly, I got the right to choose yes or no to God. You do. Well, if God foreknew and God predetermined, then how has my free will come into play? Very simply. Because when the Holy Spirit of God gave the effectual call and He drew you to Him, it became your utmost desire to come to Jesus. It was not something bent against my will. It was my will to get to Christ, and not any of you in here could have kept me from it because I was so drawn to Jesus, I had to have Christ in my life. It was my will, totally my will. I could not not go to Christ because, like Peter says, who else will we go to? You are what? Christ, the Son of the living God. Where else are you going to go? Right? So people get really frustrated at that point and say, well, it's not fair. (laughs) Boy, I love it when people say it's not fair. I would like for us to try to tell God what is right, what is fair, and what he should do. And that's what we do when we tell people this. And I used to be in this camp, and I bucked my bridle off more than once. Arguing with other believers in Christ, which was plumb stupid to begin with, about the fact that, that God did this. But what's glorious about this gospel is it is what God has done. Do I understand it? No, I don't understand it. But God does. And so we are on hallowed ground here as He is sharing some of these truths. And boy, they are amazing, they're incredible. They are absolutely beyond the comprehension of the human mind. And yet by the spirit of God, we were drawn to it. We responded to it and we praise and thank God for it. It's incredible. For those God foreknew, he predestined. And those God predestined, he did something else. Notice I, the word I or you is not even mentioned in here. This isn't about you or I. This is about the purposes of God. This is about his purpose. His purpose. His calling you to salvation is still about His glorious purpose. Do you understand that? It's not so you can have a newer boat, a bigger truck, and a better house. That's not what it's for. It's for the purposes of God. It's all about Him. It's all about His purposes. That's why when you get to heaven one day and you stand before the God of all creation, there will no be no self-willed, pompous attitude saying, I'm sure glad I chose you, Jesus. No. It will be utter, total humility in the presence of God that God chose you. That's the truth. It's the truth of it. So he called. He foreknew. He predestined. He called. It's the effectual call of God. You're here today in Christ because he called you. In this one, it talks about this, that... In the, in the New Testament the epistle says only those are spoken of as called by God who have listened to his voice addressed to them in the gospel. Hence, those who have enlisted in the service of Christ. In other words, those that have heard the gospel of their salvation, having believed, they were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, as it says in Ephesians chapter 1. That's why the gospel is so important. So we have the general call. We have the effectual call. We talked about that. Next thing is this. Foreknowledge, predestination, called, and those he called, guess what else God did? Paul says he justified. He justified those he called. I didn't justify myself before God. There's going to be many people who are going to try to justify themselves before God one day, as the judge of all creation. They're going to try to justify it, like a cop who gets pulled, like somebody gets pulled over by a cop for speeding when they were going eighty and a twenty. They're going to justify why, blah, blah, why why, why, why? You know, no, it's not happening. Justified those. Listen to this. The word justified literally is this. The believer is made righteous by the Lord, cleared of all charges related to their sin. They are justified, made right by the grace of God, and they also have received uh, the Holy Spirit by faith. They have been declared as righteous to be acquitted of all charges. That's what God did for you and me. That's what God did. I didn't do this, God did. These are all things that God has done. Do you starting to see the magnitude of this gospel? Are you starting to see why Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Are you starting to see where he says, therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Are we starting to grasp the magnitude of this immense gospel that he shared with us? And those he justified. Listen to this. He also glorified. That's incredible. Past tense, glorified. That means to render or esteem as glorious. To exalt to a glorious rank or condition. Now let me ask you a question. Some of you might say, I don't deserve that. You're absolutely right. That's why it's called grace. That's why it's the mercy of God. We don't deserve it. No one does. Been glorified, that's God bringing Christians to a heavenly dignity and condition. Ephesians 2.6, Paul says a similar thing in Ephesians 2.6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. See, it's already happened We've already been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We have already been. We're not experiencing it yet, but we will one day. God did all this. He foreknew. Why? Because he's God. He's sovereign. He knows the end from the beginning. The plan of salvation is not plan B, C, D, E, F, G through the alphabet. The plan of salvation has always been the plan of God. It's never changed. It's never wavered. It's never got off course. Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. This has been God's plan from the very beginning before he ever created anything. It was that Christ would come as the redeemer of the world. This is the mind, will, and purpose of God. It's incredible. So Paul quickly here, he poses a few questions for us to think about. After he lays this foundation out for us here, now listen to what he says. In verse 31, he says, what then shall we say? If God is for us, you tell me who can be against you? Who? Who's your daddy, right? Who? Listen to what Paul says as he poses these questions. The first one is, if God's for us, then who can be against us? Listen to what Isaiah 14, 27 says this. The Lord of hosts has purposed and who can thwart him? His hand is outstretched so who can turn it back? No one can thwart the purposes and plan of God. Job 42, after after God rebukes Job. Job's been whining and complaining because of the trials and tribulations he's experienced, God lays out a whole thing about how awesome he is and how small Job is in relation. Listen to how Job responds in the 42nd chapter, verses 2 and 3 of Job. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? See, the truth is, we don't have knowledge. We don't have knowledge. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. I will tell you, and there's not a pastor, a Christian, a man of God, woman of God out there that truly grasps Romans chapter 8. You can't. But you can believe it, receive it, and thank God for it. It's the truth. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. And we know that in all things, all things, God is working for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose that's a promise that's a promise Christian it's not a suggestion it's a promise here's another question who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen well now pastor that you put this in perspective no one Christian, you need to know this today. There is no one at the last days or from here until Christ returns or you go to be with the Lord. There's not anyone who condemns you if you are truly in Christ. And he says this is the reason. Because Christ Jesus who died, more than that, is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And when it comes to who's going to bring a charge against us, he says it's God who justifies. God did the justifying, not man. God did all the justification that was required through his shed blood of Christ, his own son. Think about this, that God did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for each of you. That's why he will surely give us all things. Why? He already gave us his greatest thing, his son, He gave his son for you. It's incredible. There's no one who can condemn us. Why? Because Christ Jesus is the one who died, who paid for your justification. Satan can't condemn me any longer of a sin that I had committed in my life. Why? Because Jesus Christ covered all that sin with his blood. That all of my sin, past, present, future, everything that I would ever do in my entire life was crucified, buried with Christ on the cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago. And Satan still comes to condemn you. He still does it. He'll still remind you. He'll still bring it up. He'll still condemn you. And if you listen to him, you might think he truly has the power to condemn you, but he has none. Why? Because Christ Jesus paid for your atonement. He purchased you. He bought your freedom. He paid for your sin and your penalty. And now you are righteous before God. No one can condemn you. Christian, no one. It's incredible. Number four, who shall separate us from the love of God? I find it interesting that Paul put this in here. I find it interesting because if you're truly being brutally honest as a Christian, there's been times in your walk with Christ that you have felt that somewhere along the way, the love of God has been somehow taken from you. That you, you just don't measure up to his love anymore. Uh, he, he, he didn't look at you favorably anymore. Uh, that there's something you've done because of what you're enduring or going through that God just says, you know what, I'm pulling back. Nat, don't want anything to do with you anymore. Have you ever experienced that before? So Paul gives us this list. And he asked this question. He probably could have tried to list everything he could think of, but he lists these. He's trying to let us know, listen, get this in your head. There's nothing that can separate you from his love. Shall trouble. We're all going to have trouble in this life. We're promised that. That's the way it is. Whether you're a Christian or a non-believer, you're going to experience trouble in life. Just the way it is. Shall trouble separate us from the love of Christ? Shall hardship separate us from the love of Christ? You ever gone through a hardship? You ever wonder why there wasn't enough money at the end of the month? Some of that's our fault. Got Gucci purse, for example, may be a problem. We men don't have Gucci anything, you hear me? No. No, we make money. We don't don't spend it, you hear me? Yeah. (laughs) I got to move on. Hang on, we're rolling. Hang on. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to have a hardship if I don't get going. Here we go. Shall hardship, thank you, Lord, that your love would still be for me. Hardship, shall persecution, it's coming, shall persecution separate you from the love of God. Can you imagine people who go through extreme persecution of which we do not even comprehend? Do you think in some countries when their family completely abandons them and tries to take their life and they lose absolutely everything for the name of Christ do you not think there maybe there's a point in their mind where they're thinking Lord where's your love in all this I've lost everything Paul says no persecution won't separate you from his love thank goodness love's not just a feeling the greatest form of love is action and God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were still sinners Christ Jesus died for us he showed you his love by action action shall famine When God says we're going to shut the sky, there's no more rain. Does that mean I don't love you? 2011, there were some ranchers crying out, asking probably, God, where's your love in all this? And now we, even this day, since I've been here, I know at least two times that the lakes run over. And what do we say to this? Whether in plenty or whether in want, guess what? God's love is still the same. Shall nakedness, poverty. Hmm. Will that separate us from the love of Christ? Shall danger or sword, even at the point of death and giving your own life, is, is there somehow, God somehow left you like Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You ever feel abandoned by God? You never will be. No, Paul says, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen. Paul goes on. Death cannot separate you from the love of God. Life cannot separate you from the love of God. Angels cannot. Demons cannot. The present nor the future, they cannot separate you from the love of God. Any powers, that means any powers, here on the earth or above, there's there's no power that can separate you from the love of God. No height, no depth. No, he says no. No. Nothing in all creation, he says. He wants to make sure that you and I understand this. He says, I'm just gonna go ahead and throw in the whole ranch here. Here you go. Just so you don't say, well, what about this? He says, no, nothing in all creation. That pretty much covers it all. Can ever or will be able to ever separate us From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Period. I hope that you start to grasp this as a Christian. Whether you're a young believer in Christ, you're new, or whether you've been in Christ for many, many years, I pray that you'll begin to understand this. Whether you're listening by radio, watching this morning at your home, or you're here in this place, I pray that you begin to grasp that this incredible mind, will, and purpose of God that is so beyond our ability to comprehend is still true. And it's a promise. And you need to know today, Christian that you don't have to have separation anxiety being in Christ. You will never be separated from God's love because you will always be in Christ because he foreknew, he predestined, he called, he he justified, and he has glorified each and every one of you to the praise of his glory. That is the truth. And I'm going to end with what Jude had to say. Jude's right before Revelation in verses 24 and 25. And this is how we close this morning. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence. Listen to this. Without fault and with great joy. Did you know that God has the power to keep you from falling? Do you know that? And that you are going to be presented to him. He can keep you from falling and you're going to be presented to him. And this is the way you're going to be presented to God. Listen to this. This is incredible. Without fault. Do you hear me? Do you have faults? Do you, do you sin sometimes? Not a lifestyle of sin. That's a whole different ball of wax. Do you still sin sometimes? Yes. You know how you're going to be presented to God? Faultless. And guess how you're going to be presented? With great joy. Guys, it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. And it says, to the only God. That's why I say, there is no one like our God There's no one like our God. Christian, you need to hear that. If you're not here as a believer this morning, but you hear the voice of God calling you today, and it's different this morning. You say, oh, I hear the voice of God calling today. I feel God calling me today, then dear Christian or dear individual, sir, ma'am, the God of all creation is calling you this morning, and he's not only calling you, but he has already justified you in Christ. Not only has he justified you in Christ, he is preparing you to be glorified for all eternity, and if he's calling your name, do not run, go to Christ. He is your only hope. If you all would, we're going to stand and we're going to have a word of prayer. And Christian, you ought to be filled with absolute, complete joy. And you don't need to be going around through your day nickering and stomping and running circles and and carrying on about your salvation. Because you are secure in Christ Jesus. And what shall we say to all of this if God is for you? Who? And be against you. Sir, ma'am, if you have heard the effectual call of God upon you this morning, oh, how incredible it is. That God has chosen you. You won't say, well, I don't know if I had a bad burrito this morning for breakfast. You will know it is the call of God. There's nothing like it. You can feel it. You can sense it. You know it's happening to you. We are going to give just an opportunity for you this morning. You say, I don't know what to do from here. Listen, you're going to run to Jesus. That's what you're going to do. Where else are you going to go? The God of all creation is calling you now into relationship. It's incredible. Right over here where Eddie's standing, in the back door back there, I think it might be Terry, that's the lodge. Y'all got donuts there this morning, coffee, really good things. But there's far better things in there for you. We have our ministry leaders there, pastors, elders, they're going to be in there waiting. And they're there to pray with you. Even last week, we had a young lady. Several people go in there. I had a young lady. She did exactly what some of you are feeling this morning. She ran to Christ and gave her life to Jesus last week just like this. Why do we do this? Because we know that our God, there's no one like our God. We know that. I know this morning, we've given the call this morning. And you know what? If you're here and God has been calling you and drawing you to him, listen, right now, if you just get from where you are, we don't care if you push over three or four people. Just go right into that room. There's people there to pray with you. Just go now. That don't matter. We're going to have a word of prayer. Go that way. But listen, when you dismiss and we leave here, do not go through those doors, okay? They're going to tackle you right over here and right here if you try. I'm just kidding. Let's pray. Oh, God, we come to you today. And, Lord, we we are so grateful for this gospel. And, Lord, I know that there are some today that are either watching, they're listening, or they're here this morning that have heard the effectual call of God today. Oh, Lord, I pray, God, that they would run to you. You've already provided the way for them to come to you through Christ. And, all oh, what you have waiting for them is a brand new life. Justified before God, peace with their maker, adopted into the family of God, justified, glorified, all these things are something that you've provided. And, Lord, I pray today that they would do that. And I ask that you'd give them courage to come to you, Lord. For the rest of us that are here that are in Christ, Lord, we leave here today with our chins up high. We leave here with humble humble spirits, though, Lord, understanding that this is such an incredible truth that we are even in Christ today. And, Lord, we just praise your name for it. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this amazing salvation. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.